Inside. Lock your doors and turn on your lights. This is not a test. It's finally time for the forever. Hey there, ghouls and ghosts. Thanks for tuning in to the Forever Boogus Half Halloween Podcast. I am your ghoulish host, B-Boy Spooky Bryce, staring at the terrifying eyes and teeth of my best friend Jamie Gillsby, a.k.a. What's up, I'm the Wolfman, J-Dog, here. And I just can't believe it that we have to talk about Halloween. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to talk about this. I'm not twisting your arm. You're not like, you know, bound to the podcast. You can leave right now if you want to. I'm contractually obligated <laughs> to meet the needs of the bogus listeners and, right. you know, I'm, I'm meet the needs and I'll also beat my meat. So that's a contractual obligation. So thank God this is an audio medium because I don't think yeah. everyone wants to see you beating your meat. So no, they it, do. Definitely. It is. It is half Halloween, and we know it's like really hard to get into the spirit when it's you know super hot outside. Or if you're living in Missouri right now, it's super cold in the morning and then gets really hot. It's ridiculous. But anyway. We thought we'd focus mostly on horror for this episode. You know, why can't, why not kick it off with something? You know, Halloween is so tradition-based and, you know, we were talking off air before we started and there's like certain movies and events and activities that if you don't get to in your October, you kind of feel like you wasted the month or you feel yeah, bad. Yeah, something like, feels off. Right, So because so, it's so tradition-based. If you don't watch the original Halloween in October, you feel like, oh, I fucking missed that. God damn it. You know, so tradition based. <laughs> right. So since we're not in October, but we do want to celebrate the ideology, um, we would kind of do something that is horror and spooky related, but it's not so tradition and nostalgia bound. That's right. You're 100% right. So uh, this is a topic that we've been wanting to cover for quite a while now, but never really had the proper opportunity to do that. So today, on the Forever Boogus Halloween, Half Halloween podcast, we are discussing some of our favorite Japanese horror movies in hopes to get you in the spirit for Half Halloween. Right. And this is a subject that really means a lot to me. This was something I got really into head over heels in my early college years. Me too. And um, a lot of these films are hard to track down. So... You know, we're going to tell you which ones are really worth looking up because a lot of them you have to do a little work to find. You might have to put on the eye patch and do a little bit of pirating. Yeah, you're probably going to load up your VPN and uh, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they should. These movies are kind of hard to come by, but if we're going to talk about them today, uh, there's a reason and they're worth it. So if you're interested in this stuff, uh, you can seek them out and, you know. Do whatever you need to do. I'm not going to tell you what I'm not going to tell you to break laws or anything, but, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> if you want to. Well, I just want to give like a blanket warning before we jump into the meat of this episode. I'm really bad at pronouncing Japanese names. And apparently yeah. you've been practicing in front of a mirror like all day to prepare no, yourself. For I've this. been practicing my whole life. I uh, Wow. Yeah. No, I I this is seriously, this is something that like my first three years of college, this was like the only thing I thought about was Japanese horror movies. So just hearing names and hearing words repeated over and over again, eventually start to know what it's supposed to sound like a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, I, 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 I am a simple gringo, so I will 
fuck up a few things, but like for the most part, I'm like, yeah, I, I know how that's supposed to sound. Um, I just don't want anybody to come in and like correct us. I don't want to receive a bunch of DMs on Instagram saying like, you didn't pronounce this right. It's manga, not manga. I don't want to call you out, Bryce, on a pronunciation basis. What? Have you ever seen uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Okay. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, everybody's seen it. Um, Pasadena High School Football Rules. I know. I noticed that when I re-listened to it, but it's too late. Yeah. I, I, I know how to pronounce it. I think I felt mostly on the spot. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I know it was Matt wrong. Jacobson was like, where are these backwoods boys from that they've <laughs> never heard of Pasadena, California? Missouri? Yeah. Missouri? Yeah. Hold on. I got to find my spit cup. Whatever. We don't pronounce things on the Forever Bogus podcast. We don't have time for that. We're too busy thinking about <laughs> rugrats and reptile bars and shit. <laughs> Speaking of candy, go ahead and grab your six-month-old candy corn and dim the lights. It's time to get crazy with some J-horror. All right, so I'm going to kick off my list with a pretty well-known J-horror movie, and that is 1998's Ring You. Mm, yeah, yeah, this, is, this might be like one of three of the most well-known ones it is and it's yeah. i think it's most well-known because it started it really kicked off the huge trend in j-horror where like these creepy long dark haired women who are supposed to be like ghosts who are seeking revenge on people and it's uh doing some research it's actually known as an uh on rio uh, mm -hmm. which it's a ghost that manifests after dying in a grip of powerful rage and so it's it's kind of a well-known kind of cryptid in the folklore uh, in Japan, but it was really made prevalent during Ringu, I think. Yeah, it's it almost becomes kind of a trope. Yes, you know the in the film, but but yeah, a lot of it is built into folklore, and it's all based on stuff. And if you read into Japanese folklore and creepy folklore part in particular, it's a lot of weird shit in there. A lot. Yeah, that is yeah. A, an understatement. That's for sure. But I love this movie for multiple reasons. One, it's pretty low budget considering uh, the subject matter that they are covering. Um, it's it's a very slow burn. It's kind of like the American remake. It's kind of a slow burn, but it's super atmospheric. And it's it's just a genuinely good horror movie. Yeah, no, this is a good one. And there's there's a reason why it got the American remake you know, it's 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 easy to digest. I'll put it that way. Yes, and I think the reason why it's so easy to digest is because it has this backbone feeling like a detective flick, and like it really, after a while, it gets underneath your skin. So, for those who may not be aware of Ring You or the uh, American remake Ring, uh, there's a videotape that is killing people, and a reporter couple decide to investigate each murder and try to solve the mystery around this mysterious VHS tape. I think the film deals more with like motherhood and coping with, with grief um, among not only the, the character that they are trying to investigate, but every single individual character within the movie itself. Yeah. And you should, you should see some common commonalities with this because you have VHS tapes ruining your life as well. <laughs> But in a different way. <laughs> right. Like, this is going to be an avalanche one day, and then you'll yeah. find me dead underneath a pile of VHS. Um, yeah. it, it happens. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, this movie scared the living shit out of me. It's so practical. It's simple. And it's executed so well with, like, its eerie atmosphere. Everything's very dark. It's something that's just very unsettling throughout the entire movie. Even though it's a slow burn, you're just 
waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for something to come around the corner, which never, that doesn't really happen. There aren't that many jump scares in this, but when there is a jump scare, it's very subtle. They don't have the American typical jump scare where they increase the, the music and the sound effects and stuff. No, like you'll see the ghost in the reflection of the TV and then the main character will turn around and there's nothing there. Like that kind of, of, st- of shit scares me. Like it gets underneath my skin. Yeah, and that's that's a sign of a good horror movie. I I think like um horror, I don't want to say snobs because that has a negative connotation to it, but you know, people who often discuss horror, they kind of look down on jump scares in a way because it's sort of like a cheap pull, you know. Look, yes. we we lived through September 11th. We on TV, we saw thousands of people die in real life. Yeah. Not a lot of things scare people anymore. So they in, in American horror movies, they have to like they really have to force it. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm not a huge fan of it either because it doesn't show great mastery over one's craft. Yes. You should still be able to find ways to creep people out. Uh, hereditary. Mm. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, what's the other one? You know, all those great uh, A24 moody atmospheric horror movies. Yes. And, and and the J-horror, the Japanese horror, man, they, they've got it. Uh, they've really got it down. They got it down to the science. Yeah. Absolutely. And I initially watched the American remake before I even saw the original one. But late one night on IFC, I watched Ring You and it blew my mind. But I will say, I feel like the remake does the original justice, uh, especially with the cursed tape. I feel that the American remake kind of makes the cursed tape video look even more cryptid and more disgusting. And it, it always made me feel very unease to the point where I wanted to make copies of that specific cursed tape and then donate them to a thrift store. Yeah. Put like, put like weird shit on it, man. I got a, um, I got a copy of son-in-law taped off TV from the thrift store, which is the Polly Shore Thanksgiving movie. Uh And I was like, Oh my fucking God, this rocks. And uh, then I got home and somebody taped over it before they submit it. But how cool would it have been if I put it in and and Ringu was going down? That would be insane. Well, for those who are wanting to pick this up or wanting to watch it uh, right at this very moment, Ringu is free on Tubi TV. God fucking damn, dude. God fucking damn. All right, man. What's uh, the first J-horror on your list? I'm going to start with uh, one that is probably the most likely that people have heard of on my list. The rest of them, I guarantee, probably no one's heard of, or maybe one or two hands out there. And it's also the one that started it for me, which is Itchy the Killer. <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen this one? Uh, honestly, I've only seen bits and pieces of this. I've never sat down and watched yeah. the entire thing in one setting. That's the wrong way to do it because th- this is – I mean, that's the wrong way to do it for any movie, but particularly this movie because the plot is – all over the place and it's so strange. So this is kind of my introduction to Japanese horror in 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 many ways. Literally and also kind of when you start digging into these deeper ones, you know, like you talked about Ringu, which is probably the most famous Japanese horror one, and then there's Grudge, you know, things like that. Like people people know those, people have heard of those. When you start digging into these deeper ones, you get a sense of um Japanese culture and 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 Japanese pop culture. And mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of open racism. Um, it's not something that's looked at the same way as it is here in the States. Um, it's still used for comedy bits over there. And uh, there's also like a lot of very strange sexuality. Oh, They're yes. very open about strange sexuality. And so uh-huh. Itchy the Killer, when I saw this movie, I was like, it was the first time in a long time 
then I watch something I was like, this feels really naughty. I don't think I should be watching this. You know, uh, I had seen tons of horror movies. I'd seen this and that and all kinds of stuff. I watched, you know, me and my friends would watch bum fights, like just the gnarliest <laughs> shit. But Itchy the Killer, I, I watched it at a friend's house the late one night. And I was like, this feels like the FBI is going to bust through the door any minute. <laughs> like, honestly, it really did. It really felt that way. And I love it for that. I totally but, understand uh, that. This film came out in 2001. It's uh, by probably the most famous Japanese director, stateside at least, Takashi Miike. Mm. Um, he's kind of the Quentin Tarantino of Japan in a yes. lot of ways. Yes, absolutely. Um, he, I mean, the thing, if you look at his IMDb, this motherfucker's made a lot, a lot of movies. I mean, that's the big difference between him and, and Tarantino is that Tarantino kind of reserves and he only does something, with, you know. Takashi has done a lot of fucking movies. Uh, he's a Dead Alive, Visitor Q, The Happiness of the Katsuriki, uh, The Katakuris. I just spoke, I just gloated about my pronunciation. I fucked that one up. <laughs> the Happiness of the Katakuris. Uh, Zebra Man is one of my favorite movies. I love Zebra Man. No, he and, did that. Yeah, he did Zebra Man and he okay, did, uh, did the original One Missed Call. Oh, nice. That's also a great one. So Itchy the Killer, it stars uh, Tadanabu Asano who is a famous Japanese actor. You've, you, he's like even appearing in Thor movies and stuff like that, but okay. he's in a shit ton of things. He's kind of like the Johnny Depp of Japan. He's kind of like a <laughs> hunky bad boy and he just kind of appears in everything. So Tadanobu Asano, he plays this character named Kakihara, who is like this super feared sadomasochistic Yakuza enforcer. Hmm. So he's like a Yakuza, you know, Yakuza is the Japanese mafia. And they're very stylish. That's just the main difference between the Japanese mafia and the, the Italian mafia as we know them. No track suits over there. They look like they're all like going to <laughs> disco and stuff. It's awesome. Which is even more badass than yes. track suits. Well, so Kakihara is he's super feared because he's, he's in love with pain. He loves inflicting pain on others and he loves feeling pain himself. And uh, he's got kind of these – and this is 2001, so this is long before – uh, Dark Knight, but, uh, you know, you could see these films permeate pop culture. You know, he's got these slits that he cut from the corner of his mouth up to his ears, but they don't, mm. they don't, uh, they don't seal back up like a scar like Heath Ledger's and Joker. He keeps them open and he just seals them with piercings and occasionally he'll take them off so he can open his mouth really far and take a good bite out of somebody. And um, That's badass. <laughs> so Kakihara, like I said, feared sadomasochistic Yakuza enforcer. Uh, his boss is 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 just missing. It's a big deal. It's like a mafia boss going missing, you know? So he's on the search for him, and he crosses paths with the titular Itchy. And Itchy is a repressed sexual pervert turned vigilante. So he's like a real sexual deviant and pervert, but he has used that strange mental situation to become a vigilante and he has giant blades on the back of his boots and he wears like a Batman kind of costume without the mask. And it's kind of like uh, the yin and yang, the perfect thing. Cause you find out Kakihara, he wants to find his boss because it's, it's his boss, you know, he's like the mafia, you know, but also you find out that like his boss is the only person that could hurt him. You know, nobody mm. else is good enough to hurt him. So he's dying to find his boss because his favorite thing is being hurt. And then he finds Itchy, who is this sexual pervert who's really good at hurting people. And uh, <laughs> Match made in heaven. Match made in heaven, match made in hell. Uh, great movie. This got me into Japanese horror in a big way. It, it, it felt like 
something it still feels very naughty the opening scene like the very opening scene is a incredibly tough to watch rape scene mm. and it just goes from there itchy the killer takashi Miike, super good okay well you mentioned quentin tarantino and the mafia so let's jump into my next one called junk from 2000 oh so imagine reservoir dogs crossed with from dust till dawn on the set of resident evil damn yeah it's, it sounds insane in this movie uh, needless to say is just batshit crazy so there's an a and a b storyline that kind of crosses paths in about midway in the movie so the A storyline focuses on the military and how this American scientist is experimenting with a reanimation serum and actually injects this into a woman that comes to life. So she's a zombie now, a flesh-eating, flesh-craving zombie now. And the B storyline focuses on a team of jewel thieves that uh, somehow finds their way into ground zero of the zombie apocalypse. Hell yeah. So the creator of Junk from 2000 was a huge fan of Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Um, and he wanted to do kind of an homage to both that, his love for the 1980s reanimator and Dawn of the Dead. This film, as you're watching it, definitely looks low budget. So you can imagine how off the wall the story got. And I will say that the kill scenes are pretty much what you expect from an American-inspired Japanese zombie movie. A lot of blood, a lot of zombies that are like they kind of look like Dawn of the Dead zombies, but not too blue. They're more a little more white than they are blue. But uh, zombies eating intestines from uh, dead humans, uh, chewing off limbs, like even fingers and stuff, yada, 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 yada. It's kind of your typical zombies movie that you would expect. But the end features this kick-ass zombie ninja oh hell yeah <laughs> this woman who you find out is kind of like the queen of all the zombies it's the woman that the american scientist was trying to get come back to life because i guess it was his wife the story's a little mudded a little convoluted but anyway the end has the, the queen zombie and you think she's dead like two or three different times but then she comes back as like this kick-ass ninja zombie and uh, doesn't stop. She gets cut in half and still doesn't stop. It's Hell pretty yeah. fucking cool. Nothing better than a ninja zombie, unless you're talking about the actual shot on video mo American movie Ninja Zombie, which is fucking terrible. <laughs> it was uh, it was restored by um, the fine folks at the American Film uh, Genre Archive. Okay, AFGA. Uh -huh. So they always put out these great releases. Terrible movie, but yeah, uh, Junk sounds great. Oh, dude, it's it's something that I did not find until recent years. It's actually very hard to find. You really can't find like a DVD copy or a VHS, even though it did have a pretty decent release here in, in America. But if you do happen to find the DVD or the VHS, like while you're hunting or while you're thrifting, definitely grab it, whether if you like it or not, because it is worth some money nowadays. All my films are that I'm going to talk about today are pretty hard to come by. You kind of exclusively have to seek out the DVD on Amazon or eBay. Uh -huh. Unfortunately, I wish I always try to focus on things that, you know, are easy to access. Like you said, Rigu is on Tubi and stuff like that. But I just love this genre so much. I think if you're interested, it is worth the little extra effort that you have to put in. Yes, to um, find it. To get to it. I do recommend watching the subtitled version 
uh, of most of these movies. I agree. Uh, there was a wonderful little company called Tokyo Shock that put out Itchy the Killer. Mm-hmm. And it's dubbed. It's dubbed. Well, it, you can. It has two both versions of the DVD, but the it's a it's a British company. And uh, so the overdub versions, they have like three actors doing all the voices and it's all these like really annoying English voices. Kekihara, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's like really, it's really tough. It's so unfortunate because that's what happens to a lot of these Japanese imports that are getting dubbed. Like they have a very small crew to do all the voices and they're subpar at best. Yeah. Although I can highly recommend... The uh, overdubbed version of my next pick, which is another zombie film, a good seg- uh, segue to there. And it's actually one of my favorite movies of all time. This is Tokyo Zombie from 2005. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen this since my college years. Shout out to Nate if you are listening, man. What's up, Nate? Danger, you've really introduced me to some great shit in college. <laughs> this is a this is a really strange movie from 2005, but it's also wonderful and it, and you can see the little bits of it permeating culture in later films so, so like films zombie movies that came out later are borrowing stuff from this so this is like i said 2005 this is director sakichi sato and it was based on a heda uma comic which translates to bad but good and um, <laughs> i didn't know that yeah so there is a you know, subgenre of manga called Heta Uma, bad but good, and it's it's focuses on kind of like not so great drawings and mm. really interesting concepts. I, I own one. I I don't know what it's called. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about a guy who is so bad at getting women that his penis um gets a mind of its own and takes over and makes him start walking on his hands and his penis and his balls become his head. That is amazing. Yeah, so that's just the kind of stuff that you can expect from these Hedo Uma comics. This is starring Tadanobu Asano, who I mentioned in Itchy the Killer. So we got two movies with the homie. And um second is Sho Akiawa, who starred as Zebra Man in the titular Zebra Man, mm, which we mentioned okay, as well, which is okay. another great uh yeah, it's not exactly a horror movie, but yeah, Seek Out Zebra Man. It's a weird Japanese Batman who's like Zebra. I love it. It's uh, so good. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie follows Fujio and Mitsuyu, and they're slackers who work in a fire extinguisher factory. And uh, their life goal is to mutually uh, become jujitsu masters, world-famous jujitsu masters. Um, so they accidentally – in the comic, it was an accident. In the movie, it was a little premeditated. But they murder their boss and uh, they bury his body in Black Mount Fuji, which is Mount Fuji, but it takes place in the future where Mount Fuji is just covered in trash. It's where people like drop off toasters and dead bodies and stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, so they, they bury their boss there and undead begin to rise from Black Mount Fuji. And uh, so – Fujio and Mitsuyu need to use their jujitsu skills and their friendship to survive the zombie apocalypse. It's super wacky. Like, it, it kind of takes itself serious, which I appreciate, but dude, the movie's so wacky. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it takes itself seriously, but in, in another sense, it doesn't at all. And yes. um, it's, you can easily call it the Japanese Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. You know, a there zombie you go. buddy comedy uh-huh. uh, with some actual great horror content in there. And I said earlier on the top, you can see this influence 
so permeate into other zombie films that came out later. Namely, uh, if you've seen Zombieland. Yes. There's a character who is obsessed with trying to track down a Twinkies truck mm-hmm. because it reminds him of a simpler time before before the Twinkies. It reminds him yeah, of his w- son. Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson's character in the film. In this film, after the apocalypse like hits the fan, because there's two there's basically two chapters in this, this film. Uh, there's the zombie apocalypse part that you would expect, which is like, oh my God, zombies are coming back. How do we do this? How do we survive? Blah, 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 zombie antics. And then (laughs) there's like a a little break and there's a voice that says, you know, 10 years later or something like that. And they've totally, you know, it's like Mad Max and they're making zombies fight in stadiums and shit like that. It's badass. And there is this character that I love so much who is absolutely what they borrowed the idea from with that Twinkie bit from Zombieland. And he is pure, he's just this big chaotic guy out to destroy anything and all in the name of finding some Kalpis, uh, which is a <laughs> Japanese soft drink. And um, it's delicious. I actually have a bottle it's, of it right next to me. I was going to say, don't you have some right next to you? I have a bottle of it right next to It's my favorite drink, actually. Uh <laughs> Yeah, wonderful movie. And actually, I got something from this too at personal level, which is something later in the film, they t- I learned that if you have to tell somebody something that's difficult to tell them, you can sing it to them. Mm. And uh, it makes it a little bit easier. Jamie, you're really not my best friend. I really wish that you would be off the podcast. Right. N- duly noted. And and that's exactly and that's exactly the way you would do it. But uh, Tokyo Zombie is great. I actually I watched the film and then I I started researching it. This was back in my early college years. And I found out that it was based off a, co- a comic and I really liked that lo-fi drawing style, so I went further into the rabbit hole with the head of Uma stuff. There's really a lot here to love. But again, hard to track down, but yeah. very much worth your time if you decide to do it. Tokyo yeah. Zombie by Sakicho Seto. All right. Well, let's jump into my next pick here, which is 1995's Common Rider Zito. This is this is right up your alley. <laughs> this is right up my alley. Yes, the infamous Japanese superhero Common Rider series dabbled in the suspense and horror genre. And this is kind of came to my attention when I became very obsessed with the Super Sentai genre of uh, children's programming in Japan. And this came up to me when I was doing a search of like horror-based episodes of Super Sentai. So Kamen Rider is kind of its own genre because it's been a very long-going series. So it's not necessarily Super Sentai, but this movie is the closest that we'll ever get to a real kind of horror and suspense thriller movie of the Super Sentai genre. Like Power Rangers, but with actual blood. Yes, yeah. exactly. And green ooze and nasty shit. This is this is amazing. So this installment is about an evil alien entity that lands on Earth that's trying to kill its own brother, Common Rider. That's right. Common Rider has a brother that was created at the same time by the same professor. And now he's back to kill Common Rider and take over the Earth. Damn. And this is a kid's movie. And this is what kind of blows my mind because it gets pretty intense. And it gets super intense in the body horror genre because there's a lot of like 
ooey gooey smashed up morphed bodies and it's amazing visually yeah like we said uh japanese culture is very different from american culture in a lot of ways and one of them is that they're not as sensitive about a lot of things they don't you know the kids will see kind of violent content and kids will see you know racially insensitive content and stuff like that sexual stuff very sexual yeah it's very fascinating. But anyway, the evil alien Doris looks totally badass. It actually reminds me of uh, Psycho Goreman. Uh, you should look up a picture of him. Mm. Uh, just type in Common Rider Z-O and uh, look for the evil Doris. He kind of is a mixture of Psycho Goreman with a caterpillar um, or sorry, a, a grasshopper like with the antennas. But he also has this kind of scorpion-like tail. It oh, looks yeah. so badass. It's amazing. Look at and, this. Um, Look at this fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> and the director actually wanted the evil alien Doris to look like a the evil version of a common writer. He wanted to be like the polar opposite. So I'm looking at common Rider. I'm looking at masked rider Zoe. Yes. And I'm looking at Doris. Now, Master Rider Zoe looks kind of like what you expect of this genre. He kind of looks like a Power Ranger. Yeah, is, the, is that is there is he like a robot man or is there supposed yes, to be he's, he's someone a human in a suit android. under there? Oh, okay, he's a human android, so he does have like a human body, but then he like you know morphs into Common Rider. So he sometimes looks like a human. Yes. And stuff. Okay. Now, how? What about what about Doris? Does he sometimes look like a human? Nope. Or no? He okay. does not. He stays that in that badass form the entire movie. So he definitely doesn't fuck because <laughs> he has no penis. It, it, potentially, he could be you know asexual. They never really they never really dig into that. He looks reptilian, so it could be inside his body. Either way, there you go. A, Either some, way, little side note. <laughs> so the film focuses mostly on the body horror genre, like I said before. And uh, there's just like a lot of weird th- visual stuff that happens that's even a little jarring at this age when I went to, to watch it. But uh, I love all the little creatures that they created that runs around and tries to beat up a common rider. Um, and what makes this movie so good in, in, in my eyes is the writing. The writing is very well done, especially for a, a kid's program and a kid's movie. And uh, in fact, the writer of Common Rider Zito also wrote the script for Resident Evil 2, the video game. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, I can see that. It's fantastic. It's hard to find an American comparison to the Super Sentai genre because we do have a bit of that over here with Beetleborgs and Power Rangers and stuff. But it is so popular over there. Yes. Um, it's and been popular since the 70s. Yeah. I mean, even there's like a Spider-Man series, Japanese series that's Yeah, that's what the, kicked it off. That's yeah. what kicked off the whole Super Sentai genre over there. And just to wrap up this pick, for those who may not be aware, the Common Rider series was actually translated into America by Saban. Go figure. He did the same thing with uh, Super Sentai Zuanja into Power Rangers. But the common rider got translated into the masked rider. And that's why you're seeing masked rider ZO. So if you happen to want to watch this, uh, definitely type in common rider ZO on YouTube where you'll find it for free. Or it's also underneath the masked rider ZO on YouTube. 
Damn. Okay. Well, you got a lot of places to look for some common rider. I've got one for you that is not as easy to track down, but I just love it so much. Okay. And this is actually by my favorite Japanese director. I loved Takeshi Miike, as we said in the past, but uh, this this guy's got to be my favorite. This is Noboru Baguchi's The Machine Girl in 2008. I've uh, heard about this, but I've never seen it before. Yeah, this movie fucking rules, dude. Uh, and Noboru Baguchi is such a weird dude. You've actually seen him. He has, he has I, I think it's the only Japanese language vert bit in uh, ABCs of Death. Um, okay. So that's okay. that's I know what him. you're talking about. He also has a movie called Robo Geisha, which is exactly like it sounds. It's a geisha who's a robot and kills people. Uh, he has a movie <laughs> called Mutant Girl Squad. Uh, he has a movie called Dead Sushi, which is about sushi that kills people. That's awesome. <laughs> In the early aughts, when I was uh, searching out, you know, this Japanese horror and all these interesting things, I fell down the Noboru Iguchi rabbit hole. And I found about the, out about the show that he did called Sukiban Boy. Whoa. And Sukiban Boy is is a boy in school in a in a Japanese high school, but he looks like a a, a girl, and actually he's played by a girl. Like that's how much he's supposed. So he gets into all kinds of fights based on the fact that he looks like a girl. And there's a lot of really weird repressed sexuality. And he kind of becomes a superhero with a, with a helmet. There's, there's no, there's no trans stuff there. He's just supposed to look like a girl. He's very much like a guy. I don't know. How interesting. That's Noboru Iguchi for you. He's this like little tiny, chubby, strange, cute Japanese man. Uh, I would like, I want a stuffed animal of Noboru Gucci. He, he, he looks like. <laughs> Sleep with it at night. You know what he looks like? You know how like in Disney movies, like uh, all the princess movies, um, Sleeping Beauty and shit like that, the main characters are like drawn really well and they look beautiful, but the villagers are like little dumpy. <laughs> dam, dam, dam. Uh, yes. Noboru Gucci looks like a little dumpy Disney villager. And I just, I love him so much. <laughs> um, but yeah, his movie, The Machine Girl, this was my introduction to him before I dug deep and found that like. He's a really crazy dude who makes a lot of nuts and perverted stuff. Very, very perverted. Look up the trailer for Zombie Ass uh, when you okay. get a chance. Zombie Ass. Zombie Ass, <laughs> right. which is uh, uh, about zombies that crawl out of uh, toilets. I don't They're know. shit zombies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he does the voiceover for that trailer, uh, Nabura nice. himself. And he's like... Uh, Zombies are perverts. Zombies are <laughs> shit. Zombies come from toilets. It's 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 wonderful. That's amazing. And that's exactly what you get with Noboru Gucci. Love him so much. Uh, this is the Machine Girl. The Machine Girl is um, a Bell movie about a girl who's uh, seeking revenge against the Yakuza for some fucking reason. It doesn't matter. And then they get her and they they destroy her. And so she gets her body put back together with machine guns. Um, so this was uh, this is like very much, you know, in the realm of grind. Uh, I was gonna say Planet Terror, whatever. Planet Terror, exactly. Yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. There was some clear influence there, but yeah, wonderful movie. Very, very violent and gory, and like you mentioned about the gore in one of your previous picks. There's a subgenre of Japanese horror, which is the one that mostly caught my attention, which is Japanese splatter films. Yes. And so there was like around 2000, I, I think the beginning of it is Itchy the Killer, 
Or house. Yeah, a bit, but but I feel like house has so much splatter in it. But I guess it's not as like violent as you would see with splatter yeah. movies. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. It's just about, like like getting cut in half and then like five hundred gallons of blood spray every <laughs> it's like, like more evil blood dead too. <laughs> more blood than anybody and that's a that's a, I'm glad you said that because actually I I'm sure I've said on the podcast before like that's that's gotta be like my number one most watched movie is Evil Dead Two. I've seen it more movie more times than I've seen any other movie, and I was looking for stuff like that, and I I just wanted more like that. And you know you've got Dead Alive, and you've got and it's just like there there's a lot of movies Reanimator, and they're all good, but like it wasn't quite doing what I wanted it to, and uh-huh. I couldn't quite describe what i wanted but i was like yeah this is it but this is isn't exactly it and then i found japanese splatter films like that's it this is it <laughs> it finally um, is the scratch that was just bothering I finally you got forever. it yeah i had a really strange scratch like on the part of my back i couldn't reach i found these films <laughs> and i got it i spent a few years with them and uh actually what's interesting about this too though is uh you know one of my my, my pick i'll talk about next is another um japanese splatter film like they're hard to watch. If you don't like they gore, are. they're really hard to watch. I, I watch these movies all the time, and I popped in one recently, and I was like, this is fucking disgusting. This is gross, dude. Um, and I love horror movies. I love gory movies. I love but all that they're shit. They're just hard to like, sit through. It is and, gross, And that's dude. how yeah. it is with my, my next pick. It is extremely hard to set through, and that is Guinea Pig 6, Mermaid, and the Manhole. Wow. I, have you watched this, or have you watched any of the Guinea Pig series? Oh, yeah, I know this one. Okay, so for those who may not be aware, this is the sixth installment of the snuff-slash-torture series Guinea Pig. And the first installments were pretty much just that. Um, It focused on how much pain a human could stand before they die. And it's typically a woman, and it is just like your plain snuff film. And so many people in other countries besides Japan would believe it was real. And, And as a matter of fact... After watching one of the guinea pig movies, Charlie Sheen himself contacted the FBI directly and said, like, hey, there is <laughs> fucking idiot. There's these fucking serial killers out there recording it and sending all this random stuff out. Charlie Sheen, <laughs> you stupid piece of shit, you fucking dumbass. <laughs> you fucking dumb idiot. He's he's like he's like those people that were like when when paranormal activity came out, like, there's a real ghost movie. Yes. You fucking dumbass. <laughs> I'm sure he was coked out or like <laughs> hey. super faded, and it's like, oh my god, I gotta call the FBI directly. You dumb piece of shit. <laughs> so, uh, thankfully, this installment of the series takes a different turn. A uh, well, a very bizarre turn. So, a an artist finds a real mermaid in the sewers of his town and decides to take her in. And he, like, puts her in a bathtub in one of his rooms. And soon she develops, like, these really disgusting bleeding sores all over her body. And so the artist decides that it's going to use this gushing blood from her body to paint a portrait of the dying mermaid. Yeah, it's disgusting, bro. It is – it's worse than dead alive. You know, like, the scene where they're eating – all the porridge or whatever, and like, but yet body pieces are falling into the porridge yeah, as the zombies are eating. It's worse than that. 
Yeah. I love horror movies and I love, I'm totally fine. Gore, but something about that gives me diarrhea when I, when oh, I think me about too. it. I'm like, oh, damn, I got to go to the bathroom. Diarrhea from both ends. It is, it's mm-hmm. bad. It's bad. And somehow the artist and the mermaid uh, fall in love and things really kind of fly off the handle when she eventually passes away. And I will say that this movie is just like Ring You. It's a very slow kind of burn, but has this insane, crazy, dreamlike imagery. Everything kind of feels off. It kind of feels like you're kind of stuck in, in a dream, like in this artist's dream. But <laughs> the special effects make it almost unbearable to watch. And But it's very highly effective. Like, it does make your stomach turn. It does make you want to have diarrhea yeah. after watching it. I, I just have to say, do not eat anything. If you decide to watch Guinea Pig 6, Mermaid in a Manhole. Yeah, I think that goes for Ugh. almost every movie we've mentioned so far. Is like, Besides like Ringu, don't eat if you're watching yes. any of these movies. Itchy the Killer has... It was like the first time I've ever seen cum on, on a, in a movie. Like, I was like, oh, that's just cum. That's just a straight up wand. Okay. All right. That, and you see it a few times. You do. So I don't really want to ruin the ending of this, but there is a fantastic twist that I think that you will really enjoy. It's a really good payoff. And uh, why not? You want to get a little true crimey a little bit here for a moment? Sure. Why not? So this was Mari Somi's last role. She played uh, the dying mermaid. Uh, This is her last role before she mysteriously disappeared in 1988. Wow. And some people think she just retired and went into isolation. But majority thinks that she was murdered by a mysterious fan who was just very obsessed with her. It's a fascinating story. I think that it kind of adds I can see that depth. with Japanese culture. Yes. It's almost kind of like Perfect Blue, which I almost added into my list, but it's an anime. It's not really J-horror. Yeah. But right. but yeah, check it out on Daily Motion for free. Guinea Pig 6, Mermaid in a Manhole. Damn, dude. You got people going to Daily Motion? Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> come, to, come to the Forever Bogus Podcast. We're going to recommend an E-Bombs World video to you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> enjoy Shit. the 420p baby enjoy the, enjoy seeing all eight pixels <laughs> of a guy getting his head run over <laughs> by a car in russia Ugh, good god uh let's dial it back a little bit on the gore i want to talk about something that's a little bit more fantastical okay and beautiful movie i love a lot this is kibakichi 2004 by director tomo haraguchi never heard of it yeah he did uh this movie wonderful little movie called death kappa Okay. Which is, you know, those old giant monster movies like Godzilla where they actually had people in suits. Uh Uh-huh. It's a throwback to that. They actually use suit actors. Um, So it's a a kaiju film with uh, people in actual suits, not CGI. That's Death Kappa. But I want to talk about Kibakichi because that's a a movie I love so much. Um, It's from 2004, but like, man, it could be from 1984 for real. Like it, it, it it looks way older and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, I Probably mostly a good thing because I think CGI in 2004 wasn't super friendly. So they do a lot of great practical effects in this movie. Um, essentially what Kibakichi is, is uh, a samurai who also happens to be a werewolf. Whoa. Which is kind of like per- the perfect movie. I, I love that concept already. You're, you, you sold me. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this stars Ryuji Hirata who – before this and after this mostly did Japanese dramas. So like this is a really kind of off the beaten path from a little bit. Although there is two Kibakichi films. 
possibly three. I have to look that up. I know there's one and two. I can't remember if they made a third. But um, yeah, so you just get this traveling samurai named Kibakichi who's just traveling the Japanese countryside as a samurai would do in its time. And you know he's a werewolf. You see him. He's not a werewolf when you first see him. He's still a guy. And uh, he finds himself in his travels accidentally, you know, plunged into this town that consists of monsters that uh, exist on human flesh. So they they kidnap weary travelers and bring them into this little town and they so eat them. Like so it's like the ki- opposite of Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Okay. It's instead of monsters in our world, it's us in their world kind of ah, thing. Ah, okay, but, okay. Uh, Hibakichi winds up in there and actually, so like, this is uh, – one of my favorite, this is going to sound like an insult, but it's actually one of the highest compliments I could give something. It's one of my favorite movies to fall asleep to. Okay. Uh, because it is so comforting, cozy and comforting in a ah. weird way. Um, besides the first scene, which is like takes place in a strange, you can't tell if it's sunset or if it's dusk, it's kind of orangey. Um, but besides that, it's all like at nighttime. You're seeing all these really cool monsters. It's never boring. It's just kind of like they're there. I remember the first time I saw it. Okay, I know this guy's a werewolf. When's he gonna turn into a werewolf? And you're waiting, and you're waiting, and you're like, shit. They're really, they're really holding this werewolf away from me, man. You're, you, that's what you want to see when you want to watch a movie called Kibakichi about a samurai who's a werewolf. Let me see him be a werewolf. Yeah. So there's a lot and of anticipation of him turning into a it's werewolf. So much anticipation. And when I first watched it, I was like, this is actually a bummer how much he's not a werewolf but i gotta tell you the payoff is so worth it mm. when he finally turns into a werewolf and starts fucking people up in that town and throwing monsters all over the place it is worth every second of it like it, it is it is worth the, the weight that they made you you know bear that whole time so the monsters you know? in the town do you see them as monsters throughout the entire movie or are they like humans that turn into monsters they're humans determined to monsters, okay. but you do see that you do see it's not that doesn't wait till the end. You okay, do see good, the monsters good. as the film goes. Okay. And you also see monsters that are just monsters. They're not part of the town. Um so they're there the whole film is is littered with enough monsters and practical effects and interesting things that you don't get bored at any point. Anytime you look at the screen, there's something interesting happening. Okay. But if you're like me, you're just waiting for him to Hulk out, turn into the Hulk and fuck, <laughs> you course. know. So I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Come on. But then when it happens, you're like, oh, I'm busting. Yes. That shit is so worth it. It's so satisfying. And uh, there's actually one of the most famous so bad it's good scenes uh, that float around the internet is from Kibakichi 2. Oh, they made sequels. He, yeah, they made a sequel. And he's, uh, he's fighting – another werewolf in this clip that is very famous from part two. And they're doing kind of like uh crouching tiger, hidden dragon, yes. but as werewolves. So like they're just the jumping, jumping from tree to tree and oh, like karate man. chopping each other. Um, so good. So good. So good. And yeah, like I said, uh, if you do seek this one out, it's just like all the other ones, you're going to have to probably get a DVD off Amazon or something, okay. but this one is really worth it. And, um, be patient. You know, if you're waiting for him to see the werewolf, I guarantee it's worth it when it does. It takes a little bit and they don't make you, they don't bore you on your way there. You know, there's, they give you enough shit to keep you interested. But when he finally hulks out, you're like, this was worth, you know. Okay. You you, you could have made me wait another hour and this still would still be worth it. it. Okay. Yeah. You're going to so have to send me a copy of that. 
Kibikichi is probably my recommend of this episode. I I recommend everything, but if you're only going to seek out one, I would say Kibikichi just because it's not it's it's less disgusting than the others. Okay, well, uh, I save the best for last. And yeah, my I've, last I've one, one comes too. from the crazy mind of Junji Ito. Yes, yeah. I'm talking about a 2000s Uzumaki. Yeah, Uzumaki. It sounds like something you would order at a sushi restaurant. <laughs> nope. So Uzumaki is, uh, well, better known in the U.S. as Spirals, is a mm. film based on the manga by none other than Junji Ito. He's my favorite horror artist and man- a manga writer, I can't get enough of him. If he doesn't sound familiar, you I guarantee you've seen his imagery. Oh, yes. It's some of the most famous, iconic, like early um, creepypasta on the internet when people would share these images of this girl with a big hole in her head and stuff like that. A spiral on the head? Yeah, nobody knew what it was, but yeah, that's uh, Junji Ito. It, it came from Junji Ito, that's right. So, both the movie and the book are about a town that is plagued by a curse involving spirals. So Junji Ito kind of became very obsessed with spirals and drawing spirals and stuff that he decided that he wanted to make this a bit of a phenomenon uh, in one of his stories. So what I love about his art is that he will create these crazy images and then base a story around that. So when you see, if you read the manga, um, Uzumaki, you will see like these two page spreads of some insane imagery dealing with spirals. And so he drew that first and then went back and wrote stories around that. He's, he's part of him and like itchy, the killer. And like, there's so much really strange, art uh from japan film and art Mm -hmm. and stuff and there's definitely strange equivalents here in the states but japan is so much smaller their 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 strangeness per capita is 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 way larger (laughs) than ours yes so his stories and his art are pretty phenomenal and explores horror in a very new way that i never thought was imaginable so Uzumaki is a uh, about a high school girl that starts noticing that people in her hometown are getting obsessed with spirals. Uh, soon later, she starts noticing that these people are found dead. Uh, for instance, a fellow classmate comes to class looking more and more like a human snail. <laughs> and before you know it, he's like climbing tall buildings as a human snail is insane and disgusting. I I I love it. (laughs) Right. Uh, Her father takes a drill to his eyes because he becomes very obsessed with spirals and things moving in a spiral motion. Uh, A neighbor turns up dead in a whale with his entire body curled up in a spiral. Like, and, and they show this, like it looks crazy in the manga, but they actually do a very good job uh, translating that into film. Which is rare, which is hard to do. Especially something insane like this. So the movie has this very kind of eerie atmosphere and it has this moments of like quirky comedy as Junji Ito does in his manga. So Izumaki is something that I recommend to anyone who's trying to get into the Japanese horror, whether if it's through the manga medium or the film medium. I think this is a perfect place to start to kind of cut your teeth on. Uh, I, I can't recommend it enough and if you are seeking it out just reach out to me i am more than happy to send you the the digital copy because otherwise the dvds get very expensive online and uh, the only other way to really kind of find it is either 
find somebody in Japan that can send it to you or slapping on that eye patch and pirating it. Go to the dark wagon and get some get some snail slime videos. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> What's your last pick, man? This was a really tough episode for me because I have there's like 30 movies I would like to talk about and uh-huh. we just don't have the time for it. Um, but if in case we don't touch on this topic again, I would be remiss to not mention Tokyo Gore Police from 2008. Yes. Yep. That's a perfect way to end it as well. This is like kind of the crown jewel of splatter film, Japanese splatter films, um, where I would, I would say personally, uh, I know you said like house and stuff, but personally, I, I would say from my own expertise, I think that Itchy the Killer is the beginning of splatter films as we know it in Japan. Okay. Um, this, so it's not like the OG, but this is sort of like the crowning jewel. This is like peak, you know, mm-hmm. the, this, there's a story to it, but it only really exists as an excuse to show you people exploding. <laughs> I love that. You know, somebody getting cut <laughs> in half. There's one scene where somebody is tied from both arms onto, so, you know, their right arm is tied to a horse and their left arm is tied to a different horse. And the horses run in different directions and split them in half directly down the middle. And 5,000 gallons of just Kool-Aid just pour out all over the place. Just like bubbly, soapy looking Kool-Aid. I want to know what they use for blood, especially for that film. Because not only do they use so much of it, but it looks fucking disgusting. Like it's so right. well done. And I, I was going to say like before I you know briefly talk about it, I watched this film a lot. I took a few years away from it and I revisited it and I was like, my stomach was turned. I was like, this is gross, dude. Yes. This is fucking gross <laughs> as hell. But uh, basic basic plot, It honestly, dude, it does not matter. The plot, it, it straight up doesn't matter. You just got to see it. It's a visual feast. But in future Tokyo, a young woman in privatized police force tracks down her father's killer while battling against a mutant rebels known as engineers. <laughs> so engineers are... These people in this future Tokyo that do – how would you describe it, Bryce? Would you say like bio biohacking? Biohazard like they, hacking. I, I guess they're, they're mutated in a certain way. They like chop their legs off and replace it with swords and yes. you know stuff like that. So you got like this one guy in a gimp suit later on, like an S&M gimp suit who has no legs and no arms and they're replaced by swords. And he's running around like a dog on all four swords. And that's kind of like an example of an engineer. And uh, the ga- this movie plays out a lot like a video game where yes. there's like kind of like boss fights and stuff. Uh, but this is actually uh, – we didn't mention the audition. Um, I thought about it. We thought about it. I-, I thought it was a little too obvious. It seems to be like whenever I talk about, oh, you ever see Japanese horror? It's like the first thing that people say. So I didn't uh-huh. want to bring that one up. That, that but, ring uh, you, yes. Yeah. If you've seen that one, it stars the same actress. And uh, she really leans into the weirdness of this one, man, because um, Yoshihiro Nishimura, man, he he was a pervert, man, in the, uh-huh. making this movie. Uh they really leaned into his uh, sexual deviance, and and it's just one of the most disgusting, vile things. It, again, like how I mentioned earlier, when I first saw Itchy the Killer, I felt naughty. I was like, damn, this is the first time in years I saw something that was like, I feel like the FBI is going to kick in our windows soon and come like, you know, like this. It's It seemed like snuff right. almost, you know? Yes. Um, And then, so I didn't feel that for a long time. And then I saw this and I was like, oh, yeah, this is. 
this is not meant for a lot of eyes, you know. This is naughty. Um, this is this is really naughty. Like I, I I was already adult when I discovered it, but I think if my parents walked in and I was watching it, like they'd find a way to ground oh, me as an I, adult. You know, I would be embarrassed. I think that that alone is the best punishment. We so I have two personal stories with this movie that I'll wrap this uh, section up with. Okay, and uh, so yeah, like we said, very gory, bloody. The whole movie's just wet. There's just, uh, there's just, it it, literally, every scene is just covered in, it's just wet. Yes. And, uh, so I had a, I had a, I had a, like, kind of a rough breakup in my early 20s. And, uh, I took this film down to my uncle's house who knew I was probably having a rough go of it. And he said, why don't you, you know, you come sleep over. Shouts out to my uncle. Shouts out to Street Piss EP, streetpiss.bandcamp.com. Um, (laughs) nice plug. And we watched this movie together and we drank 10 white Russians each. Oh, my God. And I proceeded to vomit all over his house. <laughs> and I wasn't like a kid. I was like I was like 21, you know, I, I just vomiting white while watching oh. Tokyo Gore Police. But it got me through it, man. I actually felt like a new guy the next morning. I wasn't I wasn't sad anymore. Wow. And um, we also screened this film on a projector uh during a milk cup set in the city once <laughs> nice. so we played it on a giant thing and uh the promoter came up to us after and he said like hey everybody wants to know what that movie is they're really freaked out about it <laughs> and uh i was like oh that's that's uh tokyo Gore police and he was like okay uh where'd you get that and i'm like oh you know at the time it was harder to track these things down so it wasn't just like oh go to best buy and get it it was you know, all this shit. And he was like, all right, we're going to hold on to it. I'm like, no, 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 you're not. I'm bringing it home. He's like, all right, but we might just hold on to it. All right. I'm like, (laughs) no, no, I'm actually, I'm taking it home. But yeah, so it was this interesting kind of thing where we, we got kind of reprimanded for playing almost a smut film. Yes. Was that, Uh, was that your idea? Yeah, that was my idea. Okay. It doesn't surprise Uh, me, J-Dog. We also played, uh, we've done that before and I didn't realize it, but, uh, yeah, we, we've gotten in trouble because of that a few times. But uh, <laughs> Tokyo Gore Police, man, um, highly recommended if you have a strong stomach. I, I can't, you know, there's a lot of people out there who uh, almost gloat and they show off and they brag about their strong stomachs when it comes to taking in horror content. But this is it, man. This is the one. This is the pinnacle. The peak. I mean, yeah, you have like a Serbian film and stuff like that. But this is, this is, it's just wet. <laughs> You know why is it so wet? Uh, seek it out, man. Yoshihiro Nishimura, Tokyo Gore Police. Alrighty, there, bogus fiends. There are ten Japanese horror movies to check out for your half Halloween. Why do I feel so wet still? I feel like I need to go take I feel a shower. Sticky, yeah. I feel like I feel like sweaty and stuff. <laughs> Well, this kicks off our half Halloween celebration for the remainder of this month and majority of May. So definitely expect some daily Halloween polls on Instagram, as well as daily Halloween nostalgia posts, our weekly half Halloween podcast, of course. And uh, a little surprise with that, we're having a special guest, well, two special guests on the show to help wrap up the season. Yeah, we're having uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels come on. Can you believe it? Yeah. Wow. I'm I'm happy to make that announcement. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I really wanted to take this moment to announce that we're doing another bogus sleepover. Oh, yeah, man. Good shit. Yeah. Last one was a lot of fun. We're going to do a half Halloween edition of the bogus sleepover. It's not going to be until the end of May, but I think it's going to be just as good, or if not better, than the last bogus sleepover because now I have some great Japanese horror content to add to the end of it. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Actually, that's a great way. That's a <laughs> that's a really good thing. Uh, Tokyo Gore, please. Uh, that'll clear the room, man. It's like the uh, <laughs> the last thing. It's like the Breakfast Club soundtrack at the end of the wedding. It clears out the reception. You know, that's that's what it's all about. <laughs> Won't you? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> see you about me. Definitely give us a follow on our Instagram page to see all the updates for our bogus sleepover that'll be happening relatively soon after you hear this. Until next time, be kind. Rewind. <laughs> it will all stay, stay spooky. Oh, spooky. <laughs> <laughs>